0: All right, here we are. It is our first issue, our first episode of all of the Avengers. I am your host, Van Allen Plexico. I'm going to go solo on this episode and probably on a number of episodes to come. But I do anticipate uh, having guests and uh, co-hosts and so forth on and pros and fans and friends and everybody. But uh, for this first episode, I want to go back to Avengers number one and number two. We're going to look at the first two issues of the Avengers in 1963, and I have a few things to say about the Avengers in general, kind of to get us started, and I have a few things to say about those two issues, and I wanted to go ahead and um, bust out both of them because there's a good bit to say about number one, but I was very interested to discover I had a few things to say about number two as well, and I'll go ahead and combine them together, and I think one episode that'll be... Uh, a a more efficient use of our time just to go ahead and get uh, two episodes done together. So some of the things that I used for a little bit of reference on this includes the, uh, I'll go ahead and I've got it right over here. uh, Some interesting stuff out of Marvel comics, the untold story by Sean Howe, very good read that I read several years ago uh, has a lot of the background of what was going on at Marvel, what Stan Lee was doing, what Jack Kirby was doing, all that kinds of thing. And then um, I also, of course, have the issues themselves. Uh, I have the Masterworks book that I believe I showed you in our introductory episode, but I also have them all on PDF. So as well as the comics, but I'm not going to go dig the actual comics out. So what I'm going to do instead is we'll just go ahead in just a minute. I'm going to switch over and share the screen so that you can kind of follow along with me as I talk about the issue. We'll split the screen so you can see exactly what I'm talking about. But first, just kind of talking about Avengers number one, some interesting stuff just off the top of my head, I want to throw out there. Um, for those that don't know the story of where the, uh, where the Avengers actually came from, um, you know, Marvel had really gotten going uh, in, I guess, what's the silver age of comics in 19, I guess, 61 with the first issue of Fantastic Four, followed fairly soon by the first appearance of, of Spider-Man. And so those are really kind of the two cornerstones, the 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 foundation blocks of the of the Marvel universe. Really Fantastic Four, and then um Spider-Man a little bit later with Stan Lee and Steve Ditko, but but um and I guess in, in yeah, in Amazing Fantasy, right? Yeah. I'm not a big Spider-Man fan, so I've never really <laughs> tried to memorize all the factoids about it. I know the Avengers. So um what had happened was. Um, DC had uh, just earlier had a big success by taking all of their solo characters, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, and then, you know, certain other ones beyond that, different ones over the years, just like the Avengers, Aquaman, Green Lantern, Flash, uh, Martian Manhunter, I think early on those, and combine them together. And when they first came together uh, in the Justice League of America uh, to fight Starro, interestingly enough, a giant starfish um, when they first which I think came appeared in a recent movie, uh, Suicide Squad. Anyway, when they first came together, uh, it was very successful, even though it wasn't really done the way that we would enjoy a story of that of that type today. Um, you know, which would be about the relationships and the dialogue and everything, as much as the action nowadays. Back then it was just they team up, there's some probably, you know, some cheesy dialogue and they fight a big monster together. And it sold like gangbusters because there'd never been anything really like that before, you know, where pre existing big known quantities like Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman got together to form a team. And it did really well financially for DC or whatever they were calling themselves at that point. I guess they were DC. And so um, over at Marvel, they had a bunch of solo books, um, but they didn't have a team until Fantastic Four. So when they decided to do a team book, um, the story goes that Martin Goodman, the publisher was playing golf with somebody associated with DC and the DC person was regaling Goodman with tales of you know, how financially rewarding it was to DC to be publishing the justice league. So supposedly Goodman gets on the phone to Stan Lee back in the headquarters, back in the office immediately and says, Stan, create a superhero team. We need a team, you know, this is where the money is. And so Stan gets together with Jack Kirby, legendary Jack Kirby, about which there's more, obviously a lot more to be said that we'll be kind of covering as we go along with this series, but he gets to get Stan and Jack get together And they come up with something that was not exactly a copy of the Fantastic Four at all, of the Justice League at all. It was the Fantastic Four. Now, the thing about the Fantastic Four is, especially early on, they were not really what we would think of today as a superhero team. Um, You got to understand that the superhero dominance in American comics was only beginning to emerge in the early 60s. This was still a medium that featured a lot of romance stuff. And Jack Kirby was a pioneer in that too. uh, And a lot of monster books and Westerns and other genres, right? So there was a lot of different stuff going on. And so the Fantastic Four in some ways kind of marks the beginning of a transition within Marvel from the monster books, which is actually where Groot first appeared, believe it or not. And he talked quite a bit. Um, from the monster books to the superhero books. And so if you look at the cover of Fantastic Four, number one, and I can show it to you in just a minute, but you can probably all imagine it, right? It's got that big monster coming up through the street and the superheroes are not really even in costumes and they're kind of scattered in small individual little places around the cover being attacked by the monster or whatever. And so it really seems more like a monster comic than it does a superhero comic and even then when you get to the dynamic of the team itself it's really more of a family dynamic you know reed and sue eventually marry johnny's the the brother or the or the brother-in-law depending on how you look at it and you know in a lot of ways ben the thing is kind of like the cousin the, the uncle you know or something and i've always said doctor doom is like the crazy uncle that shows up at holidays to ruin the ruin the holidays you know drunk or something but he's doctor doom So they're all kind of like a, and they have, you know, and Dr. Doom has a history with Reed. So they're kind of like a family. And in in some ways they were more like the challengers of the unknown, you know, with Reed coming up with scientific uh, solutions. And they would do things like go in the negative zone and all that. So they were not like, I mean, I know that fairly early on Stan has, and Jack has the Fantastic Four kind of sitting around the Baxter building waiting to go on missions to stop the bad guys. But more often than not, the Fantastic Four Adventures, it's not like they're a law enforcement organization. It's more like they are a scientific, investigatory and quest-based family group, you know. So this really wasn't quite what Martin Goodman had had in mind when he wanted to make his own version of the Justice League. So, Uh, Stan and Jack go back to the drawing board and they say, let's take all of our solo characters that, and it's been said, these are the ones that appeared in comics at the time that did not have their own names on them. So in other words, uh, Iron Man was, oh, now I'm going to blank out. I know these like I know my own name, but anyway, you know, uh, well, obviously um, Hulk and the pims they weren't the Pims yet, but Henry Pym and Janet Van Deen, they were appearing in tales to astonish and uh thor was in journey into mystery and iron man i'm just blanking out i'm sorry <laughs> i know it i know it like i know my own name. tales of suspense duh of course we should have captain america in it as well all right so they all get pulled together uh to be the avengers and so the first issue has to bring them together because they are not a family, right? The thing about the fantastic four, they were already together before they became superheroes. So, you, you know, the origin is not, see the origin of the fantastic four is how they got their powers. They were already together. The origin of the Avengers, they already have their powers. The origin is how they got together. So it's kind of the opposite. And so the Avengers are sort of separate free agents that don't even really get along with each other very well. And, um, the first issue comes out in September, September 1st, 1963, which is also interestingly the same month that Uncanny X Men number one comes out. Also by Lee and Kirby. It's hard to imagine how hard Jack Kirby, for sure, and, and to a degree Stan Lee as well, were working back then because they were, I mean, Stan was writing almost everything Marvel put out. And when we say writing, we mean scripting to a degree, depending on who the artist was and how much they were contributing. And then, of course, Jack was either drawing every he wasn't drawing everything, but he was involved in the in the visual creation of almost everything and then maybe handed it off to somebody else. So uh, with the exception of maybe like a Steve Ditko uh, or a Heck, or um, or uh, those other guys that were there early on, Jack was either drawing everything or designing everything. And he would say writing everything. Now, this is a point of contention that g- continues to this day. When Stan would say he wrote everything, I think he meant he scripted everything. But Jack would say that he would plot a lot of the stories before even giving the pages to Stan to even look at for the first time they would kind of come up with a general idea and then Jack would kind of put together the plot. And so Jack in later years would say basically that he wrote those two and that Stan maybe just did some dialogue he would call it, put the stuff in the bubbles. And so we will continue to revisit that time. I don't want this show to be the great Stan Lee, Jack Kirby debate. We'll revisit that as it comes up down the road here and there, but just suffice to say, if you are a huge Stan Lee fan, I totally respect and admire everything that Stan Lee did. He worked his tail off tirelessly um, for Marvel for so many years, and he did script. Nobody questions that he scripted all this stuff and did it in style and did it in a way that was very appealing to people, certainly in the early 1960s when nothing was being written like that. But if you're a big Jack Kirby fan, I 100% am with you because Jack is the king, period. And my gosh. What you know what he was able to do, not just as an artist, not just drawing stuff, but in a creative way. So, all right, that's out of the way. Let's get to the comics. Um, and by the way, I did want to mention, it's interesting how so much of that debate about Stan Lee and Jack Kirby seems to focus around the fantastic four, right? It's like every, every time people argue about Stan versus Jack, it always seems to go back to fantastic four. Cause I guess that was their biggest selling thing at the time. And it's where they created so much of the Marvel universe coming out of those first hundred or so issues, but, but they never really talk about other things. Like what did Stan and Jack, how was the, how was the, um, um, how was the division of labor with the Avengers? How was the division of labor with other stuff that they did? So, but we're going to look at Avengers. So let's look at Avengers number one here. And I'm going to share the screen if I can figure out how to do it. All right. Uh, let's see. I'm going to share. There we go. Okay. So you don't need a big me. You need a big comic. So here's the big comic. So Avengers number one, and I love that it's got their names individually at the top and then Earth's Mightiest Superheroes. So, of course, later on, that'll just be shortened to Earth's Mightiest Heroes. But I love that it's right there on the cover of issue number one. The Earth's Mightiest Heroes thing is right there. And, of course, um, the, um, the villain will be Loki. Interesting that Loki is the villain in the first Avengers comic. And he's the villain in the first uh, Avengers movie, which I think was intentional. Although I did think it was interesting that in the comic, Loki is the puppet master trying to use the Hulk as his puppet. Good luck with that, right? Whereas in the movie, Loki was kind of the puppet, (laughs) a puppet that got severely mistreated by Hulk. So kind of what goes around comes around. All right. So I'm just going to kind of zip through here and and highlight a few things that I think um, are interesting. By the way, Hulk being on this team is interesting and obviously he doesn't last long and we're going to talk, we get to issue number two at the end. We'll talk about that some more, but you know, Obviously, they wanted Hulk on the team because he's a powerful character and he'd be an interesting addition and he had his own solo book. He fit all the criteria, but then once you know Jack and Stan sit down to try to create stories using him as part of a team, the problem becomes very obvious. Now, you do want a character that's going to be kind of the grit in the gears, right? You always want a character that's contrarian. You know, the Fantastic Four has the thing. He's the contrarian. He causes a lot of disruption by his attitudes and everything, which makes him wonderful as a character. I love the thing. I've always said if there's one character in Fantastic Four that I would want to write, it's the thing. And, and on, honestly, he's one of the top, you know, several in the Marvel universe I would want to write because his his personality, his characterization is so distinct, right? And so colorful compared to so many. So you need that contrarian character to kind of cut against the grain and cause some, some conflict within the team. The problem with the Hulk is, um, he's going to be, uh, a little too much <laughs> of a contrarian. Cause he's like having, he's like having a walking hydrogen bomb, you know, there at any second, he could go off and destroy everything. So I would argue that later on there by about issue 16, right. When the changeover with the characters happens, with the team happens, it's going to be Hawkeye that becomes a contrarian. And you can have, you you can argue and, and tell off Hawkeye and what's the worst that's going to happen. Right. You argue and tell off the Hulk. You may be dead. The whole team may be dead. Right. So It was probably a smart move. Also, think about the imbalance you get with these characters, because we know that this early Iron Man was not super powerful yet. Um, And obviously, when Pym is only Ant-Man, he's limited. He's got some creative things he can do. And the movies, I think, have been very successful at showing the creative things you can do with size changing. Very creative. Um, but the Wasp, again, they're limited to a certain degree. Their their thing is they get small and, and zap you or sick ants on you. Whereas you've got Thor and the Hulk, it's kind of a, you know, it's it's kind of a quite a sliding scale of power between Thor and the Hulk on one end and Ant-Man and the Wasp on the other and Iron Man kind of somewhere in the middle. So it's, it's problematic. I think it was very smart when they recalibrated in issue 16, I believe it is, to try to come up with a team whose power levels are fairly even with each other, right? I mean, the they always, you know, the fantastic four to a certain degree, their powers are fairly evenly spread around particularly once Sue gets her force field power. But, um, this is a very bad, I mean, th- you know, obviously these characters were brought together for marketing purposes because they were available because they fit the description of having their own solo books and they bring them together as an all-star team like the JLA. But on the other hand, once you get them together, you realize, yeah, this is not the greatest combination we could have come up with. So, all right. So let's roll into it a little bit. Um, so just to kind of look at the story, it's not the greatest story ever. Uh, Loki is trapped on the Isles of, Isle of Silence, and he wants revenge on Thor. And so what he does is he tries to fake He uses his illusion power to make Hulk think he's actually rescuing a train instead of destroying it or something. And then, um, so even though Hulk saves the train, Loki's laughing because Hulk's going to get blamed. Now, um, Rick Jones, who still hasn't appeared in the MCU, fascinatingly enough, um, Rick Jones understands that Hulk wouldn't do that. He tries to send a signal to the fantastic four. Um, it is intercepted by Loki who doesn't want this to happen. So Loki redirects the, I love the, the radio waves here, the ham radio beam. He redirects it to Thor, which is like the whole point, but it also goes to Ant-Man and Wasp. Oh, there's some cool ads. Sergeant Fury and Silent Commandos. It also goes to Iron Man. And so they all come together at, uh, oh, look, the Fantastic Four do make an appearance, which is cool. But they come together at Rick Jones's place. And they go out looking for the Hulk and they find him in a circus, interestingly, because uh, that's just an illusion. There's a lot of, it's interesting. The first two issues of Avengers feature a lot of fake out. First with Loki doing illusions and then the second issue with the space phantom doing illusions or changing himself, which is effectively an illusion. So Stan and Jack were kind of like really big on the whole fake out, not really the actual heroes pretending to be the heroes, you know, that kind of thing. It's interesting where they went with these first few issues before they go in a different direction. So there's Hulk juggling an elephant, of course. And almost looks like the Scarlet Witch there. And so they start to fight. Because you got to have this giant fight in the circus. There's an interesting Strange Tales annual. And ultimately, uh, Thor goes and confronts Loki and takes him back after he fights a troll. Thor defeats the troll. And Thor defeats, oh, there's Fantastic Four annuals. We had a lot of annuals popping up. These are the first ones. Number one, 1963. And, of course, Submariner. Submariner was huge back in this day, and I'm going to talk about him a bit more, especially in the next, when we talk about issue number two and in our next episode. So basically just like with Loki in the end of the Avengers movie, where he kind of like gets beaten up and kind of is, is beaten and taken captive by Thor. Um, again, more fighting, more fighting and stuff. Cool. Yeah. um, this is Loki, my arch enemy. It was he who planned the train wreck. It was he who arranged for the Hulk to be blamed in order to make me appear so he could trap me. So now the truth comes out and they capture Loki by locking him in a lead line tank. Now this has been discussed many times over the years. Why would anybody, especially Stanley and Jack Kirby think that this would hold Loki? I, I have to, I have to suspect that it goes back to the idea that Superman can't see through lead. So therefore, lead must have some space. It's it's dense, right? That's the obvious thing is that lead is supposed to be more dense than other metals. And so it's preventing Superman's uh, x-ray vision from seeing through it. But I have to figure that Stan or Jack or both whatever came up with the idea that if lead can stop Superman's vision, it can stop Loki's spells or whatever. So that's probably where they go with that. And now happy that it's all worked out. Uh, They discuss the whole situation and decide that they'd rather be a team than continue. Well, they're going to be individual, too, but they also want to be a team. The Hulk's justification is I'd rather I'm sick of being hunted and hounded. I'd rather be with you than against you. So whether you like it or not, I'm joining and then they have to figure out what to call it. So I liked it even in the first issue hulk is kind of the villain or at least he's the puppet being used as a villain by loki and then he's a very reluctant joiner of the team and then only because it might help him be persecuted less so it's kind of a sad sad thing and then of course famously jan says you know they're talking about what name should we have it should be something colorful and dramatic like the avengers or and i just want to know where she came up with that because they love it oh nothing It or nothing. That's it. The Avengers. Yeah. The Avengers. We're the Avengers. So, I mean, I love the name and it's been, you know, I, when I first started reading Avengers with one sixty two in 1977, they were the Avengers and I said, okay, they're the Avengers. Cool. I never stopped as a little kid and thought, what are they avenging? But uh, they do try to address that in a movie where Tony says, if we can't save the world, we'll damn sure avenge it. Right. Okay. That's Joss Whedon throwing a, throwing a bone to the idea that you have to explain it somehow but i don't know why jan thought that was a great name other than that stan and or jack thought it would be a good name for a team and it is it's a wonderful name even though it really doesn't make a lot of sense so all right so and thus is born one of the greatest superhero teams of all time powerful unpredictable brought together by a strange quirk of fate the avengers are on the march and a new dimension is added to the marvel galaxy of stars all right so that gets us through um avengers number one and i i guess i've kind of mentioned all of my notes that i wanted to mention along the way that it's kind of awkward it's really more about how do they get together than than anything and it's really more to a large degree it's about the Hulk, right? I mean, this isn't, to a large degree, this is a Hulk story where the other Avengers are kind of like law enforcement trying to find out what's going on and figure it out and and stop whatever's going on. It's kind of a Thor and Loki story, though it's not really Thor and Loki until almost the end. So, it's it's to me... It's strange that it's a, it's the first team up of these characters. And yet it's not really a team story in a lot of ways. It's more of an individual story. And again, I think the main character ultimately in this is the Hulk as we explore, does he have more to gain by joining a super team or is it actually just going to cramp his style? Okay, well, that's going to be addressed in the very next issue as we get to Avengers number two a very bright yellow (laughs) issue that's kind of blinding after that first one. And the villain here is the space phantom who is kind of not exactly what you'd call a great Marvel villain along the lines of Loki or some of the other villains, the Avengers have faced along over the years. This issue came out in November of 1963, but of course it was created, you know, weeks earlier. And I'll make a note now, and I'll probably say this again, obviously, in the next episode, if we do Avengers number four in the next episode, three and four. um, And by the way, I don't really have a plan for how many issues to cover each episode. We're just going to kind of go by feel and see what there is to talk about. But I will say that Avengers number four was being written. uh, It was being created, written, drawn, whatever. I'm not really sure when JFK, John F. Kennedy was assassinated. And the story goes that um, most of the Marvel employees were all rushing to find televisions to, to get the news on what was happening with the president. But Stan was still sitting there at the typewriter, writing away, oblivious to it all, because that was what he felt was the most important. So, again, you can't fault Stan for his dedication to his craft. No doubt about that. Um, so Stan and Jack do this issue as well. There we go, Stanley and Jack Kirby. And do want to give uh, credit for, to Paul Reinman and Artie Simic for inking and lettering. Um, we are now in the library of Tony Stark, millionaire weapons manufacturer, for a new meeting of Earth's Mightiest Superheroes, the Avengers. And what I think is interesting is that they immediately, in issue number two, go from you know fighting villains and whatever to having meetings. I mean, i I, I want to kind of i it's it's this is a tough one for me because over the years, there have been some really cool Avengers meetings, right? I mean, we've seen some cool meetings. We've seen a lot of good dialogue, a lot of good clashes and characterization as you put them together around their table, and it's it's got its cool points. But in this issue, they come together for their really, I guess their first ever scheduled meeting. And, um, already the Hulk is pulling his attitude. So stay tuned for that. And then they're already starting to bicker. And by the way, we find out here that these two take, uh, Jan and and Hank take pills still to change their size. I guess if you've been reading Tales to Astonish, you already knew that, but, you know, late being a fan from a little later on, I was used to the gas thing. Like he has his little helmet and the gas makes him shrink and grow the pin particles. But back then he was having to take pills every time, which is kind of strange. Um, So they're like, well, now the gang's all here. What do we do? I ain't in the mood to play spin the bottle, says the Hulk. I like the Hulk used to just say ain't. That's how you knew he was the savage, monstrous Hulk, as he said ain't. Uh, And Iron Man, who is already kind of the bureaucrat, right? Iron Man says, even when there is no task before us, we still meet regularly to get to know each other better. So Iron Man just wants to meet for the sake of having a corporate meeting. Oh, Tony, 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 you're so predictable. And that's not going to fit with the Hulk's lifestyle, right? Hulk is not about coming to board meetings and voting on bylaws and stuff. Hulk's going to be real tired of this real fast. And I think we all know that. Meanwhile, Jan, because in the 1960s, uh, female characters had to be written as weak, afraid, and looking for a man or a husband. Right. Um, so there's Jan always like complimenting and playing up to Hank, but also pining away for Thor from two seats away. So it's always, I mean, it's always irked me in the seventies. When I was a little kid, I was like, why are they making the female characters seem so weird and sound so, you know, sound so wimpy and they're always just pining after a man or something. And it's, it's, it's all the worse now, of course. But there we are. That's that's how it was in 1963, I guess. If you watch Mad Men, you get a sense of this same time frame and you, you get that same attitude uh, toward women. So here comes our villain for this issue, the Space Phantom, not one of the greatest villains in Marvel history, but he has popped up from time to time in, in ways that have been entertaining. And I think it's I think it's kind of cool that um, the Space Phantom arrives and he his goal on coming to Earth is to destroy the Avengers. Now, I'm not sure how he's found out about the Avengers. He says he's been observing them from space, but we're also told he's been traveling faster than light for weeks, so I'm not sure how he knows what's going on on Earth if he's been off traveling faster than light in outer space. Uh, Him traveling faster than light doesn't make news reports from Earth from like a week ago or a month ago or two months ago get to him any faster, uh, unless he's, I guess it gets to him as he's coming close to earth. But anyway, it just seems weird. You know what I mean? Um, (laughs) uh, And the reason he's wanting to destroy the Avengers is because he figures if he can beat them, no one on earth, no one else on earth can stand up to quote the total invasion of my people. Over here on page three. Now, so that there's a whole race of space phantoms or whatever they are, and they're coming to to invade the earth and i'm wondering now is he like the super scroll where he's the only one that has some kind of super well the scrolls have powers too so that's not valid either um okay so early trends in marvel superhero comics here we go this is all coming to me as i think about it aliens coming to invade the earth and they can change shape we know that the scrolls can change shape, right? And we see them in Fantastic Four in issue, I guess, number two of it. And now in issue number two of Avengers, we have another race of shape-changing aliens coming to invade and wanting to prove that if they can beat, if, if just one of them, right, can beat the Avengers, then their whole people can invade. And I'm just wondering, well, if you're that powerful and everybody in your race, your alien race, can do this, as we're about to see, why not just have them all invade? Why send one guy? Cause, you know, even if you lose space phantom, spoiler, he's gonna lose. <laughs> even if the space phantom loses, well, that proves that one space phantom can't overthrow the earth. It doesn't prove that like a million of them can't, right? So, I mean, imagine if a million of them turned into the hulk. So, yeah. So, I'm not again, I'm this is Stan whooping something together in in a hurry. I get it, but it just seems far-fetched so he sends people into limbo and copies them so he copies this random guy to sneak up on the avengers and here we go look says the wasp an intruder is coming Hmm, he's not bad looking Now she's not only drooling over Thor while pretending, you know, to be totally devoted to Ant-Man slash Giant-Man. Now she's even like checking out, scoping out dudes in the street. Oh my gosh. So anyway, nobody can be prepared for the Hulk. So already we've got this same contrarian issue. Take it easy, big fella. Don't do anything rash. Let's find out what he's up to. Stow it, Iron Man. We don't need a committee to handle one visitor. Let me take care of him. Real gentle like He's turning into the thing. I love that Iron Man is wanting committee meetings. That just seems so so predictable. And Thor's trying to no, no, don't, do not injure him without cause, you savage, or I shall see that you regret it. And then easy, Thor. No need to steam the Hulk up. Uh, amen to that. So then the Hulk gets swapped out for Space Phantom. And honestly, I mean, I'm just going to move along here. Oh, there's a cool uh, Amazing Spider-Man ad with the Vulture. There's a a lot of Space Phantom tomfoolery here, okay? There's a lot of Space Phantom tomfoolery where um, the Hulk is swapped in and out with Space Phantom. Rick Jones doesn't know what's going on. Rick Jones is a big character early on in the Avengers and, and will be going forward. Uh, the, and I, and I asked the question is the Hulk, I mean, is space phantom, the space phantom, is he like, um, does he gain the powers of the people he swaps out with and it's, and it's and copies. And it seems like he does because he's got the Hulk strength and power here when he steals these rockets from, from Stark international or whatever Stark's company's calling itself. So Iron Man goes to fight him. He's kind of turning, he's trying to turn everybody against the Hulk uh ant-man now becomes giant man for the first time in this series there's a fight oh there's another sergeant fury ad now the space phantom even turns himself into a wasp an actual wasp to attack our wasp <laughs> so all right let's reassess here as we're about halfway through this this issue Hulk is already chafing at having anybody tell him what to do or not do. And we can see where that's going in a hurry. It's just not working. Um, Again, Hawkeye being recalcitrant to do things, you argue. The Hulk not wanting to do something that the others wanted to do, it's going to be Hulk smash. And that's not good. Um I like that I made a note here. The space phantom replaces the Hulk in order to stir up trouble, basically about the same amount of trouble the Hulk already was. So like Hulk is like smarting off at everybody and threatening everybody. And then the space phantom replaces him and starts smarting off at everybody and threatening everybody. So (laughs) I'm not sure your plan is all that different than how life was just going without you, space phantom. I'm not sure that's really accomplishing anything. Um. so I just feel like this should make the space fan. one of the most powerful villains in the Marvel universe, because he can be basically any character he can like any hero or villain that he switches out places with and, and sends, sends to limbo. And that raises all kinds of interesting questions about the dire race and ROM, but we'll, maybe we'll get to that some other time because I don't want to go off down that rabbit hole. But is this the same limbo that, Cause if like this has there, I don't know. You tell me, has there ever been a case where the space phantom went to limbo or sent somebody to limbo and they ran into all the dire race that Rom sent to limbo? I don't know. Anyway, uh, I, I never saw that story. Maybe it exists, maybe it doesn't. But in any case, more space phantom tomfoolery, more switching identities in and out. Oh, now this is going to be significant. I'm going to refer to this again in a minute. This is before the end, right? I mean, we've still got several pages to go. Next issue, the Avengers feature Submariner. That's to be one of the most talked about epics ever, ever presented. Reserve copy now. So, the Submariner is going to be the villain. Now, this is what we call a spoiler <laughs> for what they're going to do later. All right. So, we finish up this issue with Iron Man fighting. Uh, oh, Space Phantom sends Iron Man to Limbo and takes on his form. Here's what's interesting: not only does the Space Phantom gain Iron Man's powers, he basically becomes mechanical. Because watch what happens here: the Wasp goes inside it, goes inside Iron Man slash Space Phantom's gauntlet, cuts a cable. Where did cables come from? Wouldn't that be like a blood vessel? And I, and suddenly. Quote, unquote, Iron Man's armor doesn't work right. So I'm not sure if she just cut his ligaments. There's blood vessels. Why isn't he bleeding? How He literally become mechanical here. I, I don't get it anyway. I guess I just don't understand how the Space Phantom's powers work. So finally, Space Phantom is back to himself, and he's going to copy Thor, which... It took you long enough to figure out that, so you need to copy. But I know Thor just got there, but whatever. So he tries to copy Thor, and instead it backfires and sends him into limbo. And the explanation is your power only affects humans, but I'm the god of thunder. So the big victory this issue, and again, I don't want to be dismissive. It's just, you know, it's 1963. It is what it is. These are glorious, glorious beginnings for our favorite team, but I got to call out when things could have been a little better. Come on. And I mean, the big victory is won by Space Phantom trying to use his powers on Thor. You kind of need to set that up somehow. Earlier in the story, you need to make it clear that Thor... Would have the ability to do that to bounce it back on him. That way, when it happens, you've established that it's going to happen. This, this is what we call the old Deus ex machina kind of approach, where you just come up with something out of the blue at the very end. Like I don't know, putting Loki in a lead line tank, right? So clearly, Stan and Jack were focusing, focusing much more on the plots, the battles, the the dialogue and not really worrying so much about the ending or setting up an ending. And of course, that'll get much better as the comics go along. They just didn't really think it through enough to have a good foreshadowing and all the things you're supposed to do when you write a story like this. So when we come to the end, the Hulk says, I never suspected how much each of you hate me deep down. I could tell by the way you fought me, by the remarks you made. I mean, that's like the most profound thing in the entire issue, honestly. This is the first panel where I was like, you know, every other panel, I'm like, okay, okay, uh uh-huh, uh-huh. I get to that panel, like, whoa, Hulk is pretty perceptive. He realizes that even though he kind of foisted his way onto this team at the end of last issue by saying, I'm with you whether you like it or not, you know, and i'm with you for my own reasons not to help humanity i'm i'm with you cuz i'd rather be with you than have you chase me you know now hulk is like you know what you, you all hate me so much i don't even want to do that i am just out of here i don't need any of you i'm still the strongest thing walking the earth I, whatever i do from now on i do alone boom and he leaves and they're actually like jan is like well thank heavens he's leaving he terrified me Uh, Kind of think about think about Black Widow in Avengers number one, the movie where she, you know, she cared about Bruce Banner, but Hulk scared her to death, chasing her around the helicarrier and not much scares Natasha. (laughs) Not much at all scared Natasha, but, she, you know, having that rampaging monster coming after you. Sure. Uh, But he'll be more dangerous than ever now, says Hank. Without the Avengers to keep him in check, what will he do next? Well, you have your own selves to blame, don't you? Because you knew how volatile he was. You knew that he was liable to go off on a hair trigger. And you knew that the one thing that could anchor the Hulk and keep him from being a wild card and a loose cannon and a loose nuke was to keep him within this team structure. And yet everything you said and did only drove him drove a wedge between him and the rest of the team and drove him away. So, you know, take some responsibility because you guys kind of brought this on yourselves Avengers. This is your fault. So we get a really cool, really portentous blurb here for the next issue. Next issue, the Hulk. Oh, so, you know, if you thought this is the last we would see of the Hulk in this comic, you are sadly mistaken. And in the very same panel where he, jumps away and leaves them we are told next issue the hulk teams up with one of your favorite super characters to battle the avengers so uh, in other words in the next issue we get the hulk back but as i want to say the villain but as the adversary right as the opponent the enemy of the avengers so it took stan and jack the better part of two issues to realize that while the Hulk did need to be part, did need to be part of this story, early on, he would work better, kind of in that gray area, bouncing back and forth between "I'm on the team," "No, you're fighting me," uh, "No, it's an illusion," "No, it's the Space Phantom," "It's Loki," you know, "No, it, no, it's just now it's just me mad at you for treating me like garbage," you know, but this will be that means that number 3 will mark three issues in a row where at some point in the story the rest of the avengers fought the hulk so you could almost look at the first three issues of avengers as like the hulk trilogy where it's really more about it i mean you get the team coming together but the real story of the first three issues of of the avengers is what will the hulk do Is he a villain? Is he a hero? Can he work alongside the heroes, even if he's not a hero yet? That's kind of the question that's left hanging. And then the other thing I wanted to mention here as we wrap up is that they say the Hulk teams up with one of your favorite super characters to battle the Avengers. One of, like they're leaving it as a mystery. Well, you want the answer to your mystery, just scroll back a couple of pages, and guess what? Next issue, The Avengers features Submariner. Well, I think I know what's going to happen. And the reason I don't want to go ahead and do issue number three now is, well, A, I haven't done the notes for that yet, so there's no point in me trying to talk about it. But also, I'm going to throw a little bonus in next episode. We've got several things to talk about in our next episode. And I think it'll work better to do number three and number four together. And here's why: number three, Avengers number three, where the Hulk and the Submariner end up fighting the Avengers. That's the basis for I think the third issue of What If, where wherein the Avengers, I think without Thor, I could I'm, I haven't read it in a while. I'm gonna have to get a copy and go back and read it to talk about it in our next in our next episode. I think it's Tony Stark, Rick Jones, the Wasp, Pym. I think that's about it. Uh, They have to fight Hulk and Submariner alone. And Tony does everything he can to give them an opportunity in that fight. Um, It's a really good, I think it's a Jim Shooter written what if that refers back to issue number three. So in our next episode, we'll talk about Avengers number three. We'll talk about what if number three that that directly comes off of that story. And we'll talk about the glorious Avengers number four where we get Captain America. And that's the last thing I want to mention here is that how strange is it to read two and, and, and coming up next three issues of the Avengers and Captain America is not in the book. He's never been in the book. He's never been an Avenger. He's not even, st- he's still frozen in the ice, I guess at this point, more or less. He was, yeah, yeah. Bounced around the the, the, the Eskimos and whatever. Yeah. So he's still in the ice. So it's just so weird to think of an Avengers team where not only is Captain America not a member or not appearing, he's never been a member at this point because we think of him as such a founder of the Avengers today. And I, I think that, If the first three issues are the Hulk trilogy, which I think is fair, I think the first four issues are the origins, the founding of the Avengers quartet, if you will. And it ends with Captain America coming aboard. All right. I hope you guys have enjoyed episode one of all of the Avengers. Uh, These have been my initial thoughts. Uh, If you want to leave comments, uh, this is a primarily a YouTube based show. So if you want to leave comments and I'll try to answer them and and reply. And um, by the way, we really, really appreciate your support of this show. If you will go to uh, www.avengersassemble.net, you may be watching this episode on avengersassemble.net. Uh, but if you go to www.avengersassemble.net with a lot of other great Avengers content that, that the Jarvis heads and I have put there over the, over the last 25 uh, plus years then check it out and click on the patron button to become a patron because we need your support to be able to do this show and um, i have to thank as we as we go away i have to thank our i believe our two founding patrons so far um which are uh i i wasn't prepared for once for this let me go ahead and flip over and show you. Uh oh. Here we go. I'm going to go to show you what the website looks like that we will be revisiting from time to time. There is the gloriousavengersymbol.net, and um, uh, we have to thank uh, our patrons who are Emmanuel Seaman and um, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I was, again, I wasn't prepared and I'm so sorry, but I'll, uh, I know who it was. Um, but um I'm blanking out. So there you go. You go to all the event. you go to, go to adventure net. You click on the button that says, we have a patron and you can pick. And there's our two patrons. And oh my gosh, I can't believe that I'm not remembering who it is. But anyway, um, anyway, uh, I'm going to, uh, oh, you know, the problem was I had the wrong, patreon site uh um oh it's luke smith Manuel seaman and luke smith i'm sorry yeah so um thank you guys see if this was audio i could edit it but i don't have a way to edit this so i look like an idiot for five minutes here all right this has been <laughs> i promise to do better i do better all my other shows Uh, this has been all the Avengers episode, uh, I don't know if it's episode one, but it's covering Avengers one and two. I'll see you guys here next time. We'll talk about Avengers three and four and what if number three, uh, take it easy and Hey, Avengers.